Hello, what's up everybody and welcome to the Stand Up Guys Podcast episode 179. I am your host, incomparable Zach Jones, joined as always by the ninth wonder, Chocolate Thunder. He respects the power of the majestic ham flower. He knows the appeal of the rusty wagon wheel, the Baron of Browntown, the Duke of Dukeville, the Ayatollah of Asahola, the phenomenal A.J. Singh. What's up, everybody? <laughs> A.J., what have you been doing this week? Uh, not much, man. Watching my team get stomped in basketball. Just pathetic, man. Oh, now, it was bad this weekend. That's the, the Houston Cougars, right? Yeah, man, they're they're not that good, man. That's that's what I got from that. They played a top team. They finally played a top team this whole season, and they got curb stomped. I mean, granted, it was in their home court, and they have one of the best home courts in the nation, but it wasn't even a close game. Like, oof, they get they get a rematch on our home court later this year, but I think I I don't like our chances. I don't know. Let's see. It is. I always forget, like, because you're into sports and I'm not, so I always forget, like, oh, yeah, this is the basketball time of year. Yeah, yeah, especially college. Well, I mean, both college basketball and the winter is when it starts. Um, you've been watching anything besides basketball? Um, any shows, uh, movies? Not really, no. <laughs> well, I just, um, you know, luckily we're not reviewing it, but, um, you know, we've been talking about how we suspect Madam Webb probably is not going to be good. Oh yeah. Well, today I think we got even more confirmation. I saw a headline that um, the embar the review embargo doesn't lift until the day before it comes out, which is always a <laughs> sign that, like, at the very at the very least, Sony is not confident in this movie. It sounds like uh, the actors in the movie, like Dakota Johnson, isn't too excited about the project either. Um, I think she fired her old agency after this movie because. Uh, she thought it was like a Marvel project and turned out it was like, you know, not one of those projects. So um, that was a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't look good. You know what I don't understand? Because I, I've long suspected maybe this is happening to some of the other actors that get into these like Sony Marvel movies. But yeah. my thing is like, yeah, I don't expect Dakota Johnson to know the difference between like one of these Sony movies and a, like an actual MCU movie. Right. But her her agents and managers, I would think, would have to know. I mean, and it's not like it's, I'm sure she's still getting a huge payday from it and everything. So it's not like you know I don't feel too sorry for her. But like it, it is weird that you know I, I wonder even the same thing about Jared Leto. Like, did he know that like Morbius was not like a, you know a regular MCU film? You know. I get the feeling that these agencies like wouldn't mind lying to these actors just to get that cut of the money that you know they just take part in the project and like you know the the the, the producers and everybody are gonna lie to them like I heard about the Halle Berry situation where like they faked a, a part in the script like they sent her a fake script that said that she would be saving kids in Africa with her powers at the beginning of the movie. Like, oh, you know, I heard that. Doing good things. Yeah. And, yeah, she signed up for it, and they that was just a fake script. Like that was never gonna happen. They took it out. Yeah, that was like X-Men 3, The Last Stand or whatever. It's happened to other people, too, in these movies. Like, yeah, it's nuts. I imagine weird stuff like that goes on all the time in Hollywood, and you a lot of times you probably just never hear about it. Yeah. I think Keanu Reeves had to do a movie, too. Like, yeah, it just happens to everybody. It's messed up. That is so... Ugh. I forget um, what the story was, but I remember... You remember they had um, those animated... Um, well, I think it was like... Those Garfield movies where it was like an animated Garfield in a live action world or whatever. And they were yeah. voiced by uh, Bill Murray. Like, mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what the story was, but like he thought he was signing up for something else. <laughs> and then <laughs> oh, he just like. Bill Murray, no. Yeah. They and did so. Jeez, so yeah, Hollywood is just sleazy. I mean, we know it is, but jeez, man. Even the projects, you don't know what you're getting. Well, that one, I don't even know if it was like a sleazy deal or like if Bill Murray was just like confused as to like what he was actually like signing up for. But oh, I mean, okay. whatever. It, he got an easy payday of, you know, voiceover payday. So, you True, know, it's yeah. what it is. But like, it's just funny that things like that can happen. And like these people sign up for projects that they don't even really know what they are. Yeah. Um. Well, I watched a few things, not a ton. Um, so I'm still watching that Death and Other Details show on Hulu. I don't got mm -hmm. much more to say about it. Just that I would say that if you're uh, into the murder mystery genre, I would encourage people to watch it just so they keep making more shows and or hopefully mm -hmm. give this show a season two. I don't know if they have plans for that or not. 
Um, but I did decide to subscribe to Peacock for a month just because mm-hmm. I was interested in watching the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So I watched that, and the, the Rumble was fine. Uh, the only bummer is uh, CM Punk, who's probably one of the only like interesting wrestlers right now. He got injured during the Rumble, so he's out for like several months. So oh, that, okay. that's a bit of a bummer. But yeah. uh, other than that, it was fine. But so I'm trolling around Peacock, just like trying to find things to watch. I got to say, I think Peacock is probably one of the weakest like streamers out there as far as content they offer. Like I did not find very much on there that I was interested in, but I did decide to to try a few of their original programs. So one is, um, do you remember that movie Ted with um, Mark Wahlberg and the talking teddy bear, Seth MacFarlane? Mm -hmm. So they made a show out of that. A, a ted tv show yeah and i actually ended up liking it it, it actually was pretty funny um okay. it's um they they basically tried to give it the feel of like an 80s or 90s sitcom only like dirty you know with cursing and the, you know everything Is there but, a laugh uh, um that's a good question i i don't think so okay i don't remember a laugh track but just like the way the, the like the sets and stuff look it, it kind of reminds you of like an old school tv show okay um and I think it was only like seven episodes, but I, I thought it was, it, it's silly. Like it definitely kind of feels like a live action family guy in a way where like, instead of having a talking dog, there's a talking bear and then it just yeah. gets very, you know, outlandish Alf type situation. Yeah. Like. It's almost like, what if Alf was dirty? Okay. <laughs> That's what it feels like. But uh, I thought it was funny. And if they, if they make more of it, I'll definitely watch more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, also on Peacock, they, um, uh, last year made a television show out of the video game Twisted Metal. Okay. And so I was curious of that and I watched it. And here's the thing. I liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. But mm-hmm. I wish their effects budget was more. The effects are pretty cheap. Uh, they just yeah. – a lot of the effects look like kind of like plug-in effects with like explosions and like the, you know, gunfire and stuff. But like mm-hmm. – I was just curious, like, how do you make, like, a show out of that? And, and basically what the premise is, is, like, I believe it was, like, at some point in the past, like, electronics, for the most part, like, kind of stopped working. So this caused, like, an apocalypse. And so basically all the major cities built up walls around the cities. And then over time, they basically pushed all the criminals out of the cities. And <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, yeah, like, basically every every space in between cities is just like a no man's land with like crazy people roaming and like it's kind of like today <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they of course like all the crazy people you know have vehicles that they like mount guns to and stuff right <laughs> and, and so um anthony mackie he's like the lead of the show and he he's his job he, he's what they call a milkman which is somebody who like makes deliveries like between the walled off cities mm. and of course you know he has to deal with like the crazies in between Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the leads are him, and then um, Stephanie Beatrice, who played on uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, oh right, yeah, she was the the tough one. Yeah, the tough one, right? Um, and I basically I, I recommend the show basically mostly just because of them. Like they're very fun characters. Like um, okay, so Mackie's good in this one. Yes, he is. Okay, for sure. Yeah, actually, I think this is this show. I think I've enjoyed him more in this show than anything else I've seen him in. Okay, I got you. I, I so I recently saw like a, a breakdown of like him playing Tupac in a movie and it was so bad. He he was the worst Tupac I've ever seen in my life. Like just there's not a lot of Tupac anyway, but like jeez, it was so bad. But yeah, I'm glad he's he's doing it right. So it's good to see. I'm I'll check it out. It's on Hulu, you said? Uh no, this is on Peacock. Oh Peacock, right. Right. Oof. Why do you you have Peacock because of wrestling, so Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we're back. AJ, we had a little technical difficulty with our recording equipment, but uh, we're back. For listeners, it'll be like it never happened. But uh, AJ, I believe I left off just kind of running down the uh, shows I watched during the week. And uh, actually, this this, uh, delay we had due to our recording uh, uh, malfunction, uh, at the very least, it let me watch a new show. Okay. On Amazon Prime, I watched this uh, the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith show. Oh, with, okay. uh, Yeah, with uh, Donald Glover and uh, Maya Erskine, I think it is, uh, who people might know from that Pen15 show on Hulu. Oh, right. Um, uh, but yeah, I thought it was a fun show. Um, 
you know, I I actually don't know because like I watched I don't know if you watched like the Brad Pitt movie back in the day, like in the early two thousands. Yeah, I didn't see it, but I kind of know about it. I watched that movie. It's it's one of those movies I watched and I have almost no recollection of it. But I remember in that version of the story, like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were like a married couple. And they both like were like worked for this like, you know, spy organization, but they didn't realize that each other worked for it. Uh, and then like during the course of the movie, like their different like operations end up putting them kind of at odds together. I heard there's yeah, also Hollywouldn't know though. Like they're both part of like a similar organization or something. Like they're they're both in the same line of work. I don't know. Right, right. Um, and I thought I I heard that there was like um, a short lived like TV version of it in the '90s with like um, oh um, I think like Scott Bakula or something like. But like I don't know. I don't think that one <laughs> popped off. And I don't even know. There might even be like an earlier version of it. But uh, in this version. Like they're basically they both like join this like secret CIA type organization and mm-hmm. the organization basically um, puts them together as like a married couple. So they in, in this one, like, you know, it's the opposite where they, they know what the score is like. They're pre- and, and like the whole thing is like them presenting as a married couple will hopefully allow them to like, you know, infiltrate certain places and, and right. get intel, that sort of thing. And then, like, the whole thing of the show is, like, um, you know, they kind of uh, fall for each other and, like, start a legitimate relationship. And then it's, like, them trying to hold this relationship together while doing these crazy spy missions, you know. Like, at some point, don't they, like, have to, like, knock off the other one or something? Or they, like, have to target each other or something? Well, I don't necessarily want to spoil anything. But um, there's definitely – I'll say this, like um, – there's like this organization has many different like Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Smith like couples like okay. throughout the world. And um, the, the basically the opening scene uh, of the show is another Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Smith couple like getting executed. So like um, you, you get the sense that like there's definitely like something going on with like, you know, you know, at points like Mr. and Mrs. Smith couples, like getting cold, like, you know, possibly by the agency, possibly not that sort of, you know. Um, But um, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much. I will say I enjoyed it. uh, And I definitely hope they do a season two because this season ends on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. So like, hopefully it doesn't get canceled. But uh, I I like both the leads, both Donald Glover and, uh, you know, Maya Erskine are, you know, they're funny and they're charming. So, and I thought they had good chemistry. They worked well together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely on board uh, for more. Is this the type of show that would interest you at all? No, not really. I never even watched the movie. I just, the whole secret agent <clears throat> thing is just, I don't know. It's not really that great for me. I like to <laughs> get smart. That was funny to me. I just liked it for the comedy though. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, I, in recent years, I've been trying to get more into like spy stuff. I've actually watched like some of the James Bond movies and stuff like that. Um, I, my understanding, like at one day, like if I ever had the time, I would actually like to go through and watch all the James Bond movies, even though I know there's some in there that are supposed to be very bad. Yeah, <laughs> like the Roger Moore ones, I'm sure are kind of <laughs> painful, but like I don't know, they have a style to them at least. Right. Um. But yeah, hopefully it'll get a um, uh, a second season. Uh, well, AJ, should we get into uh, some stories? Let's do it. All right, I'll start with you. Uh, we'll go back and forth and, and see if we can't find some entertaining stories from around the globe. All right. Uh, a Turkish woman recently filed a lawsuit against her husband claiming that he rarely showered, smelled of sweat, and brushed his teeth only once or twice per week. The woman, identified as A.Y. by Turkish news media, filed for divorce from her husband, C.Y., citing his lack of personal hygiene as the main reason. The plaintiff's lawyer told the 19th family court in Ankara that the defendant wore the same clothes for at least five days in a row, rarely showered, and constantly reeked of sweat. Witnesses were brought in to confirm these claims, including 
including mutual acquaintances and even some of the husband's co-workers. They all gave statements confirming the defendant's poor personal hygiene. The court approved the woman's request for a divorce and also ordered the husband to pay her 500,000 lira, which is $16,500, as compensation to his now former spouse for putting up with his lack of personal hygiene. Spouses must fulfill the responsibilities of shared life, AY's lawyer Senem Yilmazl told the uh, Turkish newspaper Saba. If the shared life becomes unbearable due to behavior, the other party has the right to file for divorce. We must all be careful in human relations. For this, we must pay attention to both our behavior and cleanliness. The Turkish civil law, the accepted reasons for... Uh, the, for divorce are divided into two categories, special reasons and general reasons, with the latter including all the reasons that make life unbearable for one or both parties. In this particular case, the husband's poor personal hygiene was deemed valid grounds for divorce by the Regional Court of Justice and the Supreme Court of Appeals, whose recent verdict was final. Court documents show that according to witness testimonies, CY took a shower at most once every seven to ten days and only <laughs> brushed his teeth once or twice a week, which caused the, his breath to smell unbearable. Interestingly, some of the man's co-workers agreed to appear as witnesses in the case and stated that his foul body odor made working with him torture. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, it is amazing, like, it's one of those things you don't think about is like, you know, the justice system in other countries, because here in the U.S., that would just be a frivolous lawsuit that would be, like, yeah. thrown out the door. But it's funny that over there, they actually give credence to it and, like, I mean, I feel like uh, my mom could probably sue my dad. <laughs> if they were. But I think it was also like she had to like have grounds for divorce. So like over here, you could just divorce somebody like easy peasy, you know? <laughs> oh, there you have to have like a, a quote unquote good reason for it. Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> and she's just like, some bitch stinks. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. I mean, jeez, uh, man, seven to ten days without taking a shower. I take like two showers a day. <laughs> there are people like Ashton Kutcher and Mia Kunis who are like, you should shower once every three days. And God, it probably reeks when they bang or something. Like, it's gross, man. Once every three days. Well, maybe they bang in the shower. <laughs> I hope they're not banging or... during those three days. They're like two, three days. They're not showering. <laughs> man, I would be especially like... um conscious of it if if i was like them like a celebrity in like the public eye like you know i would never if i was a celebrity i would never go outside stinking you know what i mean like right. three days without it. like watching you everybody's right yeah, they're all gonna write about it <laughs> but i just i i want to see like this like stinky guy like in front of a jury of his peers and like yeah, they're like, like, I want to see his coworkers and everybody going up on stand and being like, yeah, he stinks. <laughs> like, exhibit A. <laughs> smell this stinky son, bitch. I wonder if he tried to pull a clever move and, like, took a shower and brushed his teeth before court, though. Like, Probably. You know. <laughs> <laughs> they make so. all the jurors go up and, like, smell his breath. Like, no, yeah. it's still bad. <laughs> uh, let's see what we got here. Okay, so I found this article about five real-life people uh, that are five people that have real-life superpowers that even scientists can't explain. Mm. Um, Number one, Daniel Browning Smith. Um, This 44-year-old American contortionist has been described as the most flexible person in history, also known as the rubber boy. His incredible flexibility means he's got... Uh, He's got seven Guinness uh, Guinness World Records under his belt, including the fastest time to enter a locked straight jacket and has performed stunts such as passing his whole body through an unstrung tennis racket. Um, For this one, scientists uh, do know why Daniel has been able to do what he does, as he has a condition called hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It gives him, him loose joints and stretchy skin that helped him with his incredible feats. Though it did mean he had to quit performing, as the condition has uh, can cause pain and means his limbs can easily dislocate. I feel like I don't know if you remember, like back in like the nineties, maybe early two thousands, they had that like Ripley's Believe It or Not show. Yeah, and I want to say that maybe some of these people were there because I I do remember I like, feel like seeing, yeah, that's, that's something I would have heard about. Yeah, you always uh, see like Russian women who are able to like throw their hand, feet on their heads and stuff like that. Like I see that. Yeah. And- yeah, that's freaky too. Yeah. Uh, number two, Natasha Demkina. Um, 
This 37-year-old Russian woman claims she can see inside people's bodies, essentially having Superman's x-ray vision. Experts are naturally skeptical of someone claiming they've got x-ray vision, but in tests she has correctly identified medical conditions in strangers. Appearing on British TV show This Morning in 2004, she identified host Fern Britton had a sore ankle, and a year later went under scrutiny by the Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, the CSICOP. She got four out of seven people's medical diagnosis correct. However, not all of her predictions are correct, so maybe she's just a really good guesser. Yeah, interesting. Uh, next, uh, Nigak Tai. Um, if you thought insomnia was bad, imagine not sleeping for decades, or at least that's what this 81-year-old Vietnamese farmer claims. His family, friends, and neighbors have claimed they've never seen him sleep, and the man himself claimed he hasn't really slept since 1962, instead getting in his, his energy from green tea and rice wine. In a meeting with YouTuber uh, Drew Binsky, the man said he did want to sleep but couldn't. So this superpower really isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Um, yes, you could get so much done, but a good night's sleep can't be underestimated. For basically everyone else, going even a couple days without sleep would be placing us in serious medical danger. So don't try and see whether you have this supposed superpower. Now, let me ask you, like... If you could do this, like, never have the urge to, like, let's say it was different. Like, this guy sounds like he wants to sleep, kind of, but he can't. Let's say you were just, uh, you could flip the switch. You would never be tired. And, like, so you would never have to sleep. And, and the toxins in your brains would still, like, filter out like our bodies do when we are sleeping. Like, would you do that? Because it would give you, like, you know, twice the amount of time. Like, you could do all the, you know, you could watch all the TV shows. Consume so all like, the things you want to. So, like, how is that? Okay, so, in this scenario, like, so uh, this actual situation, like, how is that exactly? Like, the, are the proteins building his muscles? Like, is everything rebuilding? Like, is all that stuff that you would get from sleep happening? In this article, it doesn't say. But, I mean, he's not dying. So, you got to figure whatever condition he has, he's still getting, like, some of the necessary things that you get when you sleep. So does that mean when he's awake all the time, he's getting the benefits of sleep without missing out a, like at all? Like, like let's say like 24 hours a day he's up. Does that mean throughout the 24 hours he's getting – I know it doesn't say, but I mean in our scenario, let's say if I wanted to choose this or not. Like uh, if I could get all the benefits of sleep and stay up 24 hours, like if I could get eight, at least eight hours worth of benefit, like REM cycle, everything, I would definitely do it. Like, I, as long as I'm not, like, exhausted and tired by the time I'm, like, 40, like, you know. Yeah, in this hypothetical, like, yeah, you always feel, like, refreshed. You never feel sleepy or groggy. Yeah, I would do it. Like, in the mental problem, you don't have any mental issues. Everything's rebuilding. Everything's fine. All the chemicals are right. Then, yeah, I would definitely do it. I think I might go for it, too. But it would be very weird. And it would take some getting used to. Like, just yeah, having to be weird. awake, like. 24 7 i think so too I, i'm wondering if i don't know like even though you wouldn't be tired like would you crave like just like being chill maybe you would i guess you could still like maybe meditate or something maybe you would find that beneficial but like i don't know it seems like you're it'd be weird yeah like i stay up a lot i'm, I'm an insomniac myself uh so or i've been one for most of my life anyway uh the, the morning hours are really weird like being up at like five in the morning definitely is like when you see the sun start coming up, that's, that's kind of a bad feeling. It feels like you missed out on sleep or <laughs> you're doing something wrong. But um, yeah, I mean, if you could get all the benefits and stay up, then I guess you do feel kind of left out though. Cause everybody else in the, in the household that you live in is going to be asleep and stuff. So you're just kind of toiling about at night, but um, I don't know. Yeah. It seems pretty cool. I, I wish I, I kind of wish like if I had it, then everybody had it, you know, we could all be up and hanging out. That's true. It it definitely would like. I guess you'd have to learn to be quiet during like. Well, you know, if if you have like neighbors or roommates or whatever, you gotta like. Yeah. But um, in in a sense, it would be cool because you would just because like a person like you know you work a full time job, you really don't have that much time just to yourself, and so you would get like another eight hours every day, you know, just to yourself to do what you want to do, and so that. In a sense, it would be, you know, pretty cool to have that much time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next guy, Stephen Wiltshire. 
The man with possibly the greatest memory in the world. Stephen is able to look at a landscape just once before being able to perfectly recreate it in his art. Uh, an incredibly talented artist, the 49-year-old has been able to recreate the skylines and buildings of major cities around the world after just one look. Top Gear fans might remember Stephen as the man who helped out Clarkson Hammond. Uh, Clarkson Hammond and May with their art exhibition by drawing a car in front of New York City's Brooklyn Bridge with him creating the scenery entirely from memory. I mean, that's pretty impressive, not just because that's like, you know, like a visual memory. Like, I wonder if he's that good with like, you know, like if he could read a book and memorize the whole thing. I think I've seen his work. I, I Oh, well, I don't know about I've seen him like get like aerial views. Like he'll be taken up in a helicopter and like see a city and like then he'll draw it later on in like a huge like kind of panoramic uh, like artwork. I don't know if it's the same guy. It was like a black dude. Is this is this dude like? Yeah, he is. Oh yeah, then he's a he. Yeah, I've seen him. He it's incredible. He'll get like the windows of buildings right. Like he'll get a a lot of intricate details. So yeah, I mean that's very impressive. Like his memory is probably like what maybe eidetic or something. I don't know. By the way, uh, you know who doesn't have a good memory? Like getting into politics again, um, Joe Biden. Um, oh God! He's so, a walking zombie, man. <laughs> well, it, it's even, it might be even worse than we thought. So, like, apparently, um, you know, he got in some a little bit of hot water for like having like, um, um, you know, confidential papers or whatever in areas they weren't supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But like, when they looked into it, they decided not to charge him, and they basically cited that, like, you know, unlike Trump. Like he was totally cooperative and also like, it didn't seem like he had ill intent. It it was, they basically were just like, well, he's old and senile and he like didn't mean to do it basically. But apparently they, they released, like they did an interview with him and they asked him like some very basic questions. Like, you know, what years were you vice president of the United States? He couldn't answer. They asked Mm -hmm. him like what year his son died. He couldn't answer. Mm -hmm. He couldn't remember. Like, they asked him like some very basic stuff that he could not recall. And so like he definitely has to be in like the early stages of like Alzheimer's slash dementia. Like all those politicians just clinging on to power at this point. Like, I don't know if it's for the healthcare or what, because they're already millionaires. I mean, what more do they need? I guess it's just power. But yeah, I mean, I think that was the problem with Russia back in the day. Like they had these old people running the country who didn't know what they were doing anymore. And that's what's happening to us now. Like. I I don't know. I don't know how many countries have fallen to old people who just can't let go of the power and give it to somebody who knows what they're doing. Wouldn't at the very least, though, wouldn't you think like the rich people who donate like a lot of money to the Democratic Democratic Party and the DNC would be like, okay, man, you got to replace this guy. (laughs) You got to replace this guy. He's like a zombie, you know. Those people play both sides for the most part. Like, you know, they donate to the Democrats, they donate to the Republicans. They just, whoever's in power is their puppet. Like, you know, the same corporations are like running everything. So, I mean, you look at all these lobbyists, like they, they donate to like all these different people. Like they donate to both sides and then whoever wins is like their next person. So, yeah, I don't know. It is crazy to think about how like, you know, it's <clears throat> for corporations like, they donate millions and millions to different political candidates, but like they must figure the benefit they get out of it is enough to donate that much. You know what I yeah. mean? And, I mean, somebody can pass a law to give you a monopoly <clears throat> or like to keep you from paying certain taxes yeah. you know, or to like give you a leg up in the industry. Like, yeah, it's definitely a good investment. And then finally, the last X-Man here, um, Wim Hoff is his name. Uh, the Iceman uh, set Guinness World Records for the farthest swim beneath ice and the longest time in full body contact with ice. He claims cold exposure and breathing exercises are the secret to his incredible feats and can improve your health. The scientists are divided on how true this is. While remarkable, Hoff's records have since been broken by others who have displayed similar capacity to withstand dreadfully cold temperatures. However, this one comes uh, with a massive don't try this at home warning as there have been people who have died attempting to demonstrate they can take the cold temperatures. I've never understood that whole like polar bear club, like these guys who just love to go into ice water and stuff like that. I, man, I don't know. It doesn't appeal to me at all. Uh, I mean, maybe they're drawn to the cold. Like maybe it's like, it's just more comfortable to them. Uh, 
I don't like too hot or too cold. You know, I'm just a normal human being. But when I wake up in the morning to drop the kids off at school, like that is rough. That hurts to be in that like wet, cold environment in the mornings. It's just bad. So I don't know how they how they do it. Like I would, I would, I definitely would die. Like if I was under that ice, like after f- three, four minutes, I'd be close to death. The only thing is, I don't think this guy even has like a special like X-Man power. He just, you know, over time, like kept doing this stuff and his body got used to it, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Well, whenever I see like your brother like outside and stuff, he's always wearing like no jacket and stuff like that. So I figure like some people are just more inclined to that cold weather, you know, being from Montana and then like, you know, genetically from being like northern, northern Europe. So like maybe that's like a part of it, like. I would imagine Russians can handle cold better than like granted. Yeah. They're exposed to it more too, but you would think that they have developed some sort of like genetic predisposition, predisposition to like, you know, deal with it. Like uh, there are some, I think Tibetans, like they're, they're able to go up to like very high altitudes and survive up there and climb and like breathe properly. Whereas like other people can't, you know, do what they do. Like they'll die up there after some period of time or like they'll get sick. You know, it's definitely true that, like, you know, people with melanin in, in their skin can handle the sun better. Yeah. But I have yeah. not heard the opposite of being like, oh, you know, <laughs> people, you know, can, other people can handle, like, the cold better, you know. Well, you know what? I, I When I was in school, I don't know how true this is because sometimes they teach you weird, stupid stuff. But I, I thought I heard that, like, black soldiers in World War II or some time back, like, they developed frostbite faster than white soldiers that is interesting yeah maybe they were just given the worst assignments though like you're black you're going out less less (laughs) equipment to like deal with it stuff like that so there could be like a variety of factors yeah like you don't get gloves those are for white (laughs) (laughs) they're the front lines (laughs) uh aj i'll kick it back to you all right let's see what we got here Uh, that one's rough okay I like this guy. I relate to this guy. Once hailed as China, I'm not not in a lot of ways, but in some ways. Once hailed as China's youngest university student, prodigy now content with sitting around. <laughs> uh, a former Chinese whiz kid who entered university at the age of 10 and was already a PhD candidate in applied mathematics at 16, uh, spent his days doing nothing and relies on his parents for money. Oh, okay. Uh, Zhang Ziyang uh, has always been destined for greatness. At just two and a half years old, he learned over a thousand Chinese characters within three months. And by age four, he was already in primary school. Uh, born in a modest, uh, modest, modest family, Zhang benefited from his father's tutelage and managed to skip several grades. Uh, at age six, he was already in the fifth grade. By age nine, he was enrolled in the third grade of high school. Uh, when he was 10 years old, Zhang Ziyang became the young, China's youngest university student, ex- getting accepted into Tianjin University of Technology of, and Education. Uh, his genius surprised everyone, but as he grew, his attitude started changing. At the age of 13, Zhang began a master's program in Beijing. And while most other 16-year-olds were pondering what university to apply to, Zhang Ziyang was already pursuing a PhD in applied mathematics and doing interviews with major news outlets. Uh, however, the media coverage wasn't as positive as it used to be. Just a month into his stint at the Beijing University of Aeronautics and Astro- Astronautics, uh, as a PhD student, the prodigy made news headlines for giving his parents an ultimatum. Either they bought him a Beijing apartment or he quit his studies. My parents want me to stay in Beijing, yet if I didn't, if I did not have my own house here, I would be like those Beijing drifters. If I am like them, why do my parents want me to get a doctoral degree? Interesting. Uh, young Zhang said in a, in a TV interview, adding that his parents should take the responsibility of providing me with a good living environment. Zhang Ziyang's parents had always struggled to keep him in school, and his request was virtually impossible to fulfill. Okay, I mean, if your parents can't do it, they can't do it. Interesting. Um, still, they couldn't bear the thought of him abandoning his studies when he already achieved so much. So they rented a Beijing apartment and lied that they had bought it. Zhang's father had also been a gifted child, and he could have been in the, in the first generation of students in the MBA program at Renmin University when his family couldn't afford to tutor him. Now he hoped his son would achieve everything he couldn't and more. At the time, Zhang Ziyang's attitude was criticized by the public, but that didn't seem to affect him. If anything, he doubled down on his statements, claiming that he wasn't 
the, the one driving them crazy, that they were doing it to themselves. My parents gave birth to me and imposed their dream on me, hoping that one day I would achieve what they wanted to gain in the past, the 16-year-old said. They planned my life for me, They tr trying to make me think that what they were leading me to was what I wanted to do. Zhang's parents sometimes expressed regret for maybe pushing too hard. Uh, but they hoped that his success would justify their actions. However, things didn't play out that way. Um, today, at 28 years old, Zhang Ziang isn't, isn't the man most expected him to be become. Uh, he still lives in the Beijing apartment rented for him years ago, for which, uh, for which they continue to cover the rent. Um, but he has no job and spends most of his time sitting around and doing nothing. He believes his simple way of life is a true expression of happiness and is content with relying on his parents and the odd freelance job uh, to support himself. They owe me this, Zhang recently told about his parents. Um, the apartment they never bought me should be worth over 10 million yuan, 1.4 million now. Zhang Yang's uh, story has divided the Chinese internet. Some criticize him for his arrogance and lack of respect for his parents, while others cite his case as a cautionary tale for parents who push their children too much when they just uh, when they should just let them enjoy their childhood years. Zhang Ziyang's undergrad undergrad teacher told reporters that he still has time to achieve great things if he puts his mind to it, but that he has no intention of doing any work. There's no financial freedom when working for someone else. That's a joke. At least now I don't need to deal with the attitudes of others, said the 28-year-old. Yeah, I mean, this this sounds like a guy that was pushed too hard as a kid. And yeah, he burned out. He burned out, yeah, which I can understand. Like, you know, the stuff with the apartment and, like, expecting so much from his parents is maybe a little bit weird. But, like, uh, I kind of sympathize with him because, yeah, he is this guy that was pushed very hard as a kid. And then eventually one day he woke up to the fact that, like, he didn't have a childhood, you know? Yeah, this is and his like, happiness. Like, yeah, he's and he's to recapture. Yeah, he's like, like you said, he got burned out. He busted his ass for like the first sixteen years of his life, or whatever, to a crazy extent, and then he was just tired. And like, yeah, I kind, I kind of get it. I think the apartment thing is kind of weird, but uh, at the same time, it might just be an excuse, like him, like acting out, like, oh well, I did this, and you know, you could at least do this for me. It's like. It feels like maybe he was asked an impossible task, you know, like in his early years, like to, to do all this stuff that he just wasn't mature enough for. And maybe he's asking for an impossible task in return. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. But um, eh, he's still young. He's 28. He, yeah. you know, he can still do something. Yeah. I mean, in America, I've heard of like 98 year olds graduating but getting their high school diploma or getting a college degree or something like that. Like, yeah, you, people can, you can always go back. And I actually read an article recently about a guy who was a mechanic till he was like 48. Then he went to medical school and became a doctor. So, I mean, there's always time to like get your life back on track. So he can yeah, do it. Some people, man, it, like, cause at any given time, like there are like, you know, senior citizens in college and stuff. And like, it always um, surprises me. Cause I'm like, I just, I never like learning enough and like the school experience enough that like I would ever even consider going back as an adult, you know, man, I'm, I'm a little, I'm excited about going back to school, but I'm also like dreading it because of all this stuff, like the, you know, studying and stuff like that. But it's a, it's an, it's a different program. Like before I did what I felt like I had to do, like with a, in, with technology and stuff like that, like, you know, I felt like, oh, the tech industry is booming and this and that, you know, there's a huge demand for it, whatever. Like, it just felt like that's where the money was. But like, oh my God, that, that was so boring and just, oh, like, yeah. but like now getting into like, you know, a different field that I'm more passionate about, which is interesting to me and has an everyday like impact on life. Like it, it can help you like improve. I haven't told people, but it's mental health counseling right? and like it applies to everybody in, in every way of life and every situation. So yeah, it's, it's just like learning more about yourself. It's growing as a person and it's applying something that is beneficial to you and everybody around you. So I feel more fulfilled in that sense. Yeah. You know, it's, I often think because like, if I could go back in time, like I certainly wouldn't, like I kind of went to college just because it like, it seemed like the thing to do. Yeah. And, and like, you maybe, it, yeah. And maybe it was, but like, if I could go back in time, I, I certainly wouldn't do accounting again. But I honestly don't know what I would do. Like, I'm thinking, I don't know, I, I maybe even wouldn't go to college. I maybe would just try to pursue something more creative. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have a great answer. No, it's 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 really a 
flawed system to have 18 year olds and like young people and like just people who aren't ready and mature enough to decide what they're going to do for the rest of their lives at that age. Like, you know, you make them take out so much money for loans and all this stuff. And they're just kind of like, they're, they're stuck. They have to do it. And like, you know, there's so much pressure by everybody in society that it has to be a certain way. And I think like, it's smart to take time off you know, do it, do what you want, you know, like go out there and explore life, live, you know, maybe do odd jobs or whatever you want to do in that time just to, you know, get by or whatever. And then, you know, then go to school, then figure out what you want to do, pursue what makes you happy and understand what your passions are. But there's no way a 20 year old or whatever, like they, they don't know what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. When, when I think of getting married, like a 20 year old is not going to be able, for the most part, to make a a decision that's going to be wise for their entire life in any capacity, like a tattoo people regret anything. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm older when I'm looking, you know, like to do some of these like major life changes. Cause I feel like I have a better grasp on my own self and like, you know, what I'm looking for and who I want to be and what I want to be surrounded by. And uh, yeah, like it's just nuts man, to have young people make major decisions like that. I, I get why we send them to war because they're not smart enough to know that, you know, people up top are making decisions for them and that they buy into the propaganda very easily. And I think that same propaganda, like with nuclear families, like, uh, you know, you have to move out of 18, you know, like it used to be big families. We used to live in like, you know, houses with like uncles, right. um, grandmas, grandpas, you know, it used to be that way. And like now it's just the, the three or four person nuclear family or whatever. Like it's, it's all generated from the 1950s, like propaganda, you know, that we, we're just trying to build a society that's, we're trying to conform to something that we're not used to. Although, you know, funnily enough, I think that like, because house prices, pri- uh, prices are so expensive now, I think you're getting um, a lot more situations where like there's households with like generations of people living in them because yeah, like the sure. younger people, like it, it's impossible to for yeah. them to, you know, go either rent a obscenely expensive apartment or buy a house. So like uh, it's kind of coming back to that. But you know, you were talking about like you know, I know we're technically considered adults when we're eighteen, but like you're totally right that like almost no eighteen year old person like knows what they want to do at eighteen. Yeah. Like we're expected to kind of know, and like you said, like we're expected to take this huge um gamble and and take out all this like loan money that we have like no real concept of like <laughs> you know what we're doing with that you know and, yeah. and like how how long it's going to take for us to pay that back and it's like it's kind of it kind of is a crazy system and a crazy expectation um, yeah i mean it's i know there's an industry behind it like you know the, the like there are loans like loan companies that want you know these 18 year olds to be locked in for the rest of their lives and stuff like that and there's like a financial incentive to like to make it this way and like the housing market is this way like you don't you want everybody to move out at 18 or 24 or whatever to get their own house and you want to be able to sell those houses like there's an economy built on like this way of life you know like it's just it's not just this like cars you know we purposely built out cities like houston to be like hard to walk you know like to you have to have a car to get like it's amazing how much money and the economy and these corporations drive like the way of life of people and it's sad in a lot of ways yeah you know the whole like car thing and like everybody owning their own car like i sometimes wonder like if far fewer people own their cars and we just had like a robust like public transportation system it would probably in a lot of ways work better because they would have so much more room on the road to like, you know, speedily and efficiently like transport a large number of people. But I sometimes wonder about that. Like we might have doomed ourselves culturally by like insisting that everybody owns their own vehicle. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, <laughs> you look at like, I, I, I find like there's like a, a romanticism, you know, like I feel like there's a romantic like aspect to like, people who live in those like like southeast asian countries where like everybody's walking and like maybe there's like motorcycles and stuff but like you know there's like markets and little stands everywhere and like you know everybody's kind of co-mingling and stuff like that it just it just seems like that's more natural to people like that's what we we should be like a, a community like a society like that you know man have you ever seen some of those foreign countries that seemingly have like 
no traffic laws where you got like people in cars, people on motorcycles, pedestrians, just all like walking, you know, on the same roads and like, like people are narrowly like, you know, that is, barely that is not getting of, ran over. That's pretty much all of Asia. I don't know about East Asia, like China and Japan. I think they have more like rules behind that, but like, <laughs> yeah, like it is chaos, man. Like, I've heard jokes like God directs traffic in India, you know, like <laughs> it, it's just, I don't know how people are surviving. Like, I don't know how so many people aren't like killed every day in some sort of accident, but I'm sure oh they are. God. Yeah. yeah I see true. some, I see some of those videos and I'm just like, why would they want it like this? Like, why would you not like want to put in traffic laws to like not have chaos everywhere? I don't. Yeah. You know, I don't understand. Like, maybe they're just used to their ways. They're like, hey, we've, we've made it this far. You know, it's helter-skelter, but we made it work. <laughs> now this is just what we know. Um, but you would think, like, you would want to progress, like, that aspect of your society and, like, you know, try to make it more safe, more reasonable, more understandable. Like, okay, so, like, what if you're just an aggressive driver in Asia? Like, are you just going to, like, force every right turn? Are you going to force your way into everything? Like you know, it's more fair to have people wait at a light where, you know, some people who are more careful drivers, like the same commute would take an aggressive driver in Asia, probably a lot different amount of time. Right. Cause like yeah. compared to like a safe driver, whereas in America, like, you know, everybody pretty much gets everywhere at the same time. You know, I just, I don't know. I guess like I'm inclined to that fairness. Like I, I think it should be that way. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Uh, I yeah. see some of those videos and I'm just like, oh my God. I'm like, it just seems like so crazy that they wouldn't want to rein that in somewhat. But um, it's their time. Well, AJ, you know that it's a slow news week because I'm actually going to give you a little history story. All right. Which I don't usually do. So these are eight quaint and curious facts about the strange life of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, very depressed, man. <laughs> Number one, he wasn't born as Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, his middle name might be a big part of Poe's perceived identity, but he wasn't always called that. When the future literary master was born, his parents named him simply Edgar Poe. Sadly, his father abandoned the family when Poe was only a year old. A year later, his mother died of tuberculosis, uh, the first in the long list of personal losses Poe experienced over his life. The orphan Poe was taken in by John Allen, a successful businessman from Richmond, Virginia. Although the Allens never officially adopted him, they christened the child Edgar Allan Poe. Poe himself wasn't a huge fan of the middle name and often signed his documents as Edgar A. Poe. His friends, meanwhile, simply called him Eddie. Number two, Poe married his 13-year-old cousin. Oh, how old was he? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 27. Oh, no! <laughs> Yeah. Oh, cancel Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> cancel him. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, that's so not 13. Oh, God. Oh, God. Those so, yeah. are freaking children. Oh, he, how, how long ago did he live? Um, let me, okay, so it says, oh, it says, fine. Let's address what's perhaps the most widely known strange fact about Poe's life, which I did not know. Uh, it's true. He married his underage cousin, Virginia Clem. At the time of their marriage in 1836, so like he okay. lived early 1800s. That time period, I guess. But oof. Clem was only 13. That made her 14 years post junior, as he was 27 at the time. But that's uh, just what people did at the time, right? Not really. Even people in 1836 <laughs> were uncomfortable about the whole thing. <laughs> Jeez, when 1836 is like, <laughs> yo, this guy's wild. Like, that's, that's <laughs> it says, on the bright side, historians now believe the marriage was more of a friendly arrangement and had no or very little romantic or physical aspects. I'm hoping no uh, romantic <laughs> You would hope aspects. so. Yeah. But then, like, maybe Why'd was they it? do it? Maybe it was a deal where, like, you know, as one of those sayings where he would look down upon if he wasn't married. Maybe he was, like, secretly gay and she was, like, his 13-year-old uh, beard. You never know. And then she could have had, like, all her, you know, relationships, like, you know, secret, you know, or whatever. Could like, be, yeah. Yeah. But honestly, but, like, I would have thought in 1836 people would have been like, yeah, that's normal. But apparently not. Apparently even back yeah, then they were, like, thought, yeah. they were like, eh, that's a bit extreme. <laughs> Jeez, that kind of, you know... 
I mean, that it pushes back the whole narrative on that, like probably a little bit earlier than I thought. Like, uh, I thought in the 1800s people were kind of wild like that, but uh, I did too, yeah. And still, they wouldn't have had a problem that it was his cousin. Like back yeah, then, that, that was, was just like everyone yeah. marries their cousin. Yeah. Uh, number three, Poe designed the Raven to be a hit. We often think of Poe as a brooding figure pouring his misery onto the paper. In reality, however, his writing process was highly calculated from beginning to end. Take, for example, his famous poem, The Raven. Poe firmly believed that to be well-received, a poem should be short, have a catchy rhyme scheme, and be mostly understandable to the everyman. That's just the logic he followed when he crafted The Raven. Although uh, publishers were initially reluctant to publish it, Poe's formula worked. The Raven was a massive hit and turned Poe into a literary celebrity overnight. Considering that even Baltimore Ravens are named after the poem, Poe really knew a thing or two about writing. What a world, though, where writing a poem can make you a, a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, that is wild. Yeah, that. I guess, I mean, there was nothing else back then. They didn't have anything. They had, That's like, true. All they did was read. They had, like, maybe plays and stuff, right? So Right, yeah. Uh, number four, Poe was a seasoned athlete. Another fact that goes against Poe's gothic image is his athleticism. Instead of a pasty, frail scribe locked in his dungeon, Poe was quite the sportsman. In particular, Poe loved swimming. At one point, he even broke the Virginia record for the sport by swimming more than six miles up James River against the current. Swimming wasn't the only sport Poe excelled at, though. He also did uh, rowing, boxing, and long jumping whenever he wasn't hiking through Virginia's forest. That is true. Okay. They, like In like paintings of him and stuff, He's frail. I, yeah, he does appear more frail. And like emo kind of. like yeah. Exactly, yeah, like the original emo. Yeah. Uh, number five, Poe invented modern detective fiction. Today the name Edgar Allan Poe is almost synonymous with horror, but even Poe couldn't bring himself to write only about spooky castles and tragic human fates. He dabbled in many genres throughout his life, from love poems to romantic fiction, but perhaps most importantly, he single-handedly invented detective fiction. Poe's short story, The Murders in the Rue Morgue, laid the template for modern detective stories. Its main character, C. August Dupin, is a brilliant detective who solves crimes through cold logic and analytical reasoning. So if you're a fan of Sherlock Holmes, Miss Marple, Hercule Poirot, or any other famous detectives, you can thank Poe for coming up with your favorite genre. Did say Miss Marvel? Uh, Miss Marple. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, I don't remember her being detective. Like, <laughs> I've I've never. I know there is like a Miss Marple like television show. There's probably several of, them, but I've never watched any of those. So I'm kind of unfamiliar with that character. I've never even heard of her. Yeah. Uh, number six, Poe loved cats. You might not think Poe was a particular uh, fan of cats from reading his stories. More than a couple of them feature uh, ominous felines. Uh, not least his uh, short story, The Black Cat. If you haven't read that one, it tells of an animal-loving man who slowly begins abusing his pets and in increasingly horrific ways. Poe himself, however, would never have hurt a cat. He loved them, and he kept his own purring furball. Fun fact, Poe named his cat Katarina. Uh, punny, na- punny pet names are by no means a modern thing. Uh, number seven, the cause of Poe's death remains a mystery. Uh, Poe died on October 7th, 1849 in Baltimore, Maryland. To this day, nobody knows how. He had been feeling under the weather uh, a few days before his death, but he didn't exactly seem like he was about to kick the bucket. Yet on October 3rd, he was found in a disoriented state while dressed in someone else's clothes. He died four days later. Over the years, people have put forward many theories about what caused his death, ranging from alcohol poisoning to a brain tumor, syphilis, and even murder. One of the more interesting theories posits Poe was a victim of cooping, a form of electoral fraud where the victim is drugged and forced to vote in multiple locations under false identities. Uh, that explains his delirious state and bizarre clothes. I mean, that sounds <laughs> that sounds unlikely, but it's funny that it was common enough that they had a name for it. cooping. That's crazy. They would they would poison a guy and then vote in multiple counties under that guy's name. It says the victim would be drugged. And forced to vote in multiple locations. <laughs> <laughs> that is so weird. I, how do you like? We have like a weekend at Bernie situation. Like, <laughs> I guess so. 
<laughs> two guys like carry this guy in that can barely stand and he's like oh we're just helping him vote yeah just doing some old voting over here <laughs> <laughs> nothing to see here <laughs> oh my god the schemes people came up with when they had like no laws are insane man like that just shows if people could get away with something, if they if they were like given the freedom to creatively think of nefarious things, they will come up with the craziest, like insane plots. Like, oh my gosh! I, don't I know. know you think of the stuff our politicians pull today. Can you imagine what politicians were getting up to in those days when there was no rules? Just and like ins- nobody could really check you, like what you right. were doing. Like, oh my god! Yeah, especially like monarchies. Oh my goodness, man. I would think kings and queens were just like, you find out later they were crazy. Like, people back then didn't know. They were just like, oh, the king said we need to do this on Thursdays. Also, you know what? I think a lot of like, like uh, religious stuff, like numbers, colors, uh, certain things are bad luck. Don't do this on a certain day. I think those were caused by like some sort of mental illness. Like, probably. Some weird, like, yeah, that is some weird ass shit. Like, that has no bearing on reality whatsoever. Yeah, that's definitely mental illness involved there. It was probably caused by, like, some king back in the day that had, like, some weird OCD. OCD, yeah. And he was, like, very superstitious about a certain thing. Yeah. Yeah, made some sort of weird law about it at the time, probably. I could totally see that happen. Yeah, I definitely think so. And then finally, number eight, Poe was a victim of uh, of a post uh, or of a posthumous smear campaign. Uh, many people today know Poe as a barely functional alcoholic. And while the man wasn't averse to a stiff drink, he was nowhere near the wreck and lunatic he's made out to be. Poe's bad reputation is all because of R- Rufus Griswold, his longtime literary rival. Uh, though some finagling his sworn enemy managed to become Poe's literary executor, um, and so Griswold set to uh, set to work to tarnish Poe's name. Griswold wrote a long, slandering obituary uh, filled with blatant lies after Poe died. Although it was soon revealed the obituary was Griswold's writing, the damage had already been done. Many people still think Poe was a raving, drug-fueled madman. Well, I mean, the way he died makes you wonder if he doesn't like, a yeah, little we bit. We get that burning thing the guy. Like, no wonder he had that <laughs> reputation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the slanderous obituary. I even heard he voted illegally <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> he just hung out with two other guys and kept voting, man. <laughs> the trio. <laughs> I want to... I want to know when they finally put it into law that, like, cooping wasn't allowed. <laughs> like, if we catch you weekend in a burning zing, uh, some probably guy voting. Some, like, probably was a prominent politician lost an election. Like, up until then, they were like, cooping's fine. Who cares? So, yeah, kind of interesting uh, about him. But, um, yeah, definitely a slow news week. I don't usually bust out the, you know historical oh, interesting. Yeah, articles but yeah. uh but aj i think that'll uh put us over the uh hour mark do you got any uh, final thoughts before we wrap things up uh i know everybody's really interested the cougars won their last game against a really shitty team so <laughs> they're starting to at least win games again after that humiliating loss that they took against uh them who shall not be named uh on a saturday but uh they're playing cincinnati this weekend on the road road wins are big deals so i'm just that's what i'm looking forward to right now that's that's on my mind so the key is just to put them against really bad teams that's the trick man who would have guessed it (laughs) (laughs) well we'll keep a prize and see how that goes uh but anyway guys thanks for following along If you will, please subscribe both to the YouTube channel and to the podcast in audio form on your podcast catcher of choice. Leave us thumbs up, positive reviews, all that good stuff. Uh, If you'd like, you can follow me over on Twitter slash X at Zach Jones Live. That's Z-A-C-H-J-O-N-E-S-L-I-V-E. AJ, like during recent weeks, I've had like people um, follow me on Twitter but it's always disappointing because then I go click on their thing and it says they follow like thousands of people. And I'm like, Oh, it's just a bot account. <laughs> yeah. I get those too. Like 
I, whenever I like post something, I get a like. It's always some like supermodel looking woman. Right. You know? I had one it's, of those uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I get those too. <laughs> but I never used to. I feel like maybe Elon Musk is is, is trying to like. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Do something. I get all the incels excited about Twitter, I guess. Yeah, because like, was it, at one point didn't he say he was doing something to like reduce the number of bot accounts? And now I'm getting all these like bot follows. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're going to reduce them. I think those prop up the, the value of the the organization. So they're not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, but anyway, if you're not a bot, feel feel free to uh, follow me. Uh, but that's going to do it for all of our shenanigans and poppycock this week. Please, please, please tune in again next week. Bye, guys. Take care.